0: The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by a momentwithmorris.com and blackblueprints.com. That's blackblueprints with a Z.com. I am Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. Bringing you the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. That's right, where we get together and talk about everything going on in the traffic and the world up in these streets.
1: Headers in these streets. Haters in the <laughs>
0: street. Like a street light. <laughs> Man. Coming back at you, bring you episode 42. Jackie Robinson. That's right. That's That was the dramatic pause. It's definitely, Man, it's definitely Jackie it
1: Shout uh, out to Jackie Robinson. Yep. Should have never left the Negro League.
0: 1947, integration in the Major League Baseball, the Man. Brooklyn Dodgers. It was the worst thing that ever happened to black folks in sports. It was uh, crazy. Uh, what that that moment was when, when when he quote unquote broke the color lines. Mm. And it's funny about that division that took place in nineteen forty seven, how much division there still is in two thousand seventeen.
1: Almost oh, definitely. Um we gonna definitely get into a lot of the division yeah. that we're talking about. It's funny how the story Um, that we're going to be talking about and we lead into the number 42 for the 42nd episode and it's Jackie Robinson and the things he did and the sad part about it when you think about what he did he broke the um, color line racial barrier he went through so much madness to get to a point where the madness is still there it's not as um, in your face as it is but it definitely is still there and In that dramatic shift and change, how him feeling like, wow, I'm going to do something good for my people to give us opportunity, really kind of closed the door for us gaining ownership and kind of keeping our own league going, which was the Negro League at that particular time, where we had some stellar athletes, and how relevant that would probably be now if, let's say, the Negro League was continued on and, and continued moving, and how it would be such a force to go against Major League Baseball. That would be interesting to see, right
0: now. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the Negro League, it was uh, the All Black League, which rivaled Major League Baseball because of segregation. Black players couldn't play in the major leagues, so we started our own league. And it wasn't like it was just this, you know, bootleg little little uh, sideshow. It was an established league that had, you know. Uh, Tours for the teams. They had trading cards. Like it was, you know, it was established and it was profitable. But after integration into Major League Baseball, those teams dissolved. The league was dissolved, and then what black players could come over came over, and that was kind of the end. Uh, there wasn't anything even remotely similar to that except for the ABA mm-hmm. when it when it pertained to to professional basketball. But once that that consolidation went through, uh, that was it. You know, um, but looking at what Jackie Robinson went through in '47, where he was met with booze and stuff thrown at him, called the N word like it was his last name, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff, you think of, oh, that's a long time ago. Like that sort of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Those are the old days. That's an old way of thinking. And just this past week at a Los Angeles Laker game, you had uh, two black folks who were who I don't think I don't do in black.
1: I don't think they were. I think they were. Uh, brown. They were brown. we we'll call were them black.
0: brown. For the sake of this, for the sake of the person who did it to them, they saw them as. Yeah. Derogatory people of mm-hmm. color. As the comments that were yelled at them. Uh, Two ladies addressed these, these white two white girls. Two, yeah, addressed these two folks, Becky and Sally, who didn't stand for the national anthem at a Laker game and came and threw their drinks on them mm-hmm. and called them different names out the book about disrespecting the flag. The flag. Mm-hmm. And the offside of that is that those two individuals were asked to leave so they to avoid being arrested. Like there was nothing done to them. They came up, filmed it, threw drinks on these patrons who were just sitting there, you know, not not acknowledging the flag like they wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And the way that they were addressed, if you couldn't see what it was, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have known the difference between 1947 and 2017. Exactly. And then
1: just to um, so we can have two incidents to talk about at the same particular time, Terrell Pryor, the Redskins wide receiver. Yeah. He was met with um, cheers of N words as he was leaving the game. And it was so bad to where the security had to step in and, um, you know, try to stop the persons or people that were, you know, shouting out the N word. And these are the things that this protest is all about. These are the things that, um, when you talk about Jackie Robinson, that he gave up. His individuality for a greater cause thinking that, well, maybe if he showed some humbleness, he showed character, he showed resilience, he showed athletic ability and intelligence on the field that folks would look at him as equal. And it's always been this thing that has separated black from white where white folks feel that we're inferior um, and white folks feel that they're superior. This has been a, a constant kind of twist. And when you hear stories about what happened at the Lakers game, that now, folks, because Donald Trump has kind of shifted, because we got to remember, let's keep this in, in total content. This is year two of the protests that Colin Kaepernick started, right? The protest has been longer with other things that have been going on with his, it, with his, whether it's in the streets, um, in different communities. But this is year two of this uh, initial protest in the NFL. And now, since Donald Trump had opened his mouth and made it clear that he feels that folks are disrespecting the flag, it's created a different narrative ever since you had that faithful Sunday when a majority of the NFL took a knee or sat in the locker room and didn't respect the flag or the national anthem that now you have folks and why the rhetoric of Donald Trump is so poisonous and why the rhetoric of any hate speech is so poisonous, you get these bold Beckys and Sallies to think that at the end of the day, and mind you, they didn't do it to some black folks, because mm-hmm. even though they're probably people of color, but they didn't do it for some black folks because they'd have probably got their ass kicked, regardless. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how I would react if someone threw a drink on me, because I don't ever stand up for the national anthem, and this is way before uh, a protest, this is way before anything, I just don't feel like standing up for it, it Just, It it's never been my thing, so when you have folks egging on the situation and creating it to be a narrative of it's about flag, it's about national anthem, it's about soldiers, people are disrespecting it, it takes away from the true narrative, and that's the frustration that I get from seeing all these things take place, when folks are not trying to concentrate on what we're really here, what the purpose of the protest is for.
0: Yeah. Cause I think that that separation between, uh, not only how people are treated, but how people perceive what's going on. So, uh, quoting brother, uh, Shannon Sharp from, uh, Fox is undisputed. Uh, and I love that brother every day, more and more each day. Every time I see him talking and a, a great point he made is that, uh, White people think they own the market on the display of patriotism. Yeah. So if you don't display it in the way in which we say you should, you're unpatriotic. And what you're finding is is that the the, the protest, which was originally addressing the mistreatment or the discrepancy amongst treatment between black and brown people in America uh, versus white Americans. Is what that's when it was used as a as the bench you know the, the jump off to the, the protest during the anthem. Now it's become more of a ego trip, a, a power play, and whose is bigger. Because you had um, you know Trump kind of ostracizing owners for not stepping up and and getting your people in check. And so the backlash was you had owners like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys kind of giving the finger to him because these are all the same. They all they all boys yeah. before he was President Trump. These all the billionaire boy club. They all yeah. they all know each other very well yeah, sure. and they didn't take lightly to it. So they let a lot of players exercise different forms of protest kind of in response to Trump telling them to, to hand, how to handle their business. But since then. It's The pendulum is swung back the other way. Like, okay, we're going to show you that you ain't going to tell us what to do. Yeah, like we knew. But now it's time to get these people in line. Because I'm not going to have them get in the line this week because you told me to. Yeah. I'm going to show you that I can do what I want with my team. Now I'm going to get them in line because I told them to. Yeah. And the very same owner, Jerry Jones, who sat out there and took the knee before the National Anthem with his entire team, the Dallas Cowboys. Then Tarana came out and said, any player who kneels during the – national disrespects the flag. During this national anthem, you take a knee, you're not playing this week. The NFL came out with, with statements addressing that they're going to have, you know, when they, they get together for their meeting and that all the teams need to recognize you will be standing from now on. The NBA released their their statement. There is not even basketball season yet. They don't start till next week, these preseason games now. They already said it's mandatory to stand. So, it, like, it's not even a debate in the NBA. So they, they said it's part of your, your paperwork. That that you will stand along the lines of the foul line or the sideline. It's in the paper, the black and white of the NBA, while the national anthem is playing. So they're 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 clamping down
1: now. Our constitutional right, our freedom of speech, our First Amendment rights, um, to assemble, um, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and the fact that. We are freely open to protest when we see there are things that may not be happening to us directly, but indirectly affects us. And when you see that the violations of people's constitutional rights being displayed right before our eyes, but being made up as something else, it really disturbs me because then I turn around and We have been watching a series of right-wing hate speeches, whether they're going down in Berkeley or happening in Charlottesville, or they're not happening in places like Sacramento. The attempts are there, and the platforms that they have are there. You never hear anyone, especially white America, denouncing this kind of behavior. Our president-elect Donald Trump, Mr. 45, a.k.a. the pussy grabber, has been the most vile, vulgar, disrespectful individual that we've ever had in the history of presidents due to the new social media aspect that this president has, but has been so bold to say things that You are sitting back like, nah, nah, that's not the president saying that. That sounds like a a WWE superstar. Sounds like somebody uh, trying out for some type of new role. It's like this guy is saying things that common man and woman usually say on his Twitter or on speeches to get folks riled up, and yet no one ever denounces the behavior enough To where it's like this guy got to go because what he's doing is what he's creating is a very uh, volatile situation here in America. Though some people may say certain things, we don't really clamp down on him. But these black men and women and other folks that are jumping on the bandwagon that are doing these silent protests that are a part of the constitutional rights are now being told by these owners, as I say, slave owners, that. That's disrespecting our flag. We can't have that when it's never been about the fucking flag.
0: And let's take that a step further, because like I said, there's been no denouncing of the because the group they reconvened in Charlottesville, the the same town that had all that craziness about a month ago. They just got back together. Tiki torches and all and had another little get together. Uh, All these different groups that are popping up, the the domestic terrorist that was in Las Vegas and that shooting. Call it what it is. The uh, all these, these domestic, what you're saying, the, the white terrorists. Yeah, uh, the, the terrorists across the board. So here's the reaction. So instead of clamping down on these groups that are coming together, these protests, the, the KKK rallies and everything that's going on this past week, the FBI has, has made their shift of who their target is. The FBI has cited black est- extremists as the new domestic terrorists to address. So if you are considered a BIE, which is a black identity extremist, meaning if you are here, if you somebody, Black Lives Matter is an example of a, of a black identity extremist, meaning if you address anything where you identify yourself as black, if you're saying that this is for for black lives, this is for Black empowerment, this is for black power, this is for black survival, this is just for fighting for black existence. You fall into the category of a black identity extremist, and that is shifted to domestic terrorist number one. That is the FBI's new classification and the new campaign
1: of who they're going after. So is this because now official? Yes, because white extremists... Now, now, now hold on a second, just not to cut you off, yeah. because I know that there's been reports... Um, and they've tried to get some information from FBI Right yeah. But they haven't really come out and said it and, uh, and, and 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 When you're doing this work You know as soon as you start talking Anything anti-government And anything pro-black yeah. You're going to be on some list It's just a matter of when you know It's it's really on Compared to the fact of Alright you know they're going to do some Call and tell pro shit yeah. But now they're basically coming out they're not coming out saying it, but it's out there. Is that what you're basically saying? Oh no, they're
0: they're they're citing they're they're labeled as BIE's, black identity extremists. It's almost like if you're saying Islamic extremists. am uh, ISIS or some shit. Yeah. It's the same premise. But instead of saying that you're from A a Muslim or Islamic dominated area saying that you're Middle Eastern, whatever. Now it's black identity extremists. Why that phrasing is important is because you are identifying yourself separate as a black entity, not as an American, not as a man, woman, not as a Christian, not as whatever. When you identify yourself as a solo entity based upon being black, that falls under the category of a B.I.E. So now that's considered because the the the, the correlation is white extremists are uh, problems black extremists are violent because they're saying that the basis for black identity extremists is cop killers that black identity extremists are making campaigns specifically against the law enforcement agencies of the United States of America especially
1: because of that one incident that I totally think was stage fraud. The Dallas, advice, yeah, right? and did they bring up the um, did they bring up the incident in Baltimore when the two cops got shot mm-hmm. in a car? This, this is not this is not based upon an isolated incident.
0: This is because what's associated with the rhetoric is is because much like the the Kaepernick protest is that this is all designed around law enforcement. The treatment of law enforcement, the behavior of law enforcement. So these black identity extremists are targeting law enforcement. So the, th- the threat is that black groups are sprouting up across the nation with in their manifesto, in their mission statement,
1: an anti-police agenda. So the white boy, the 19 year old white boy, Texas, said the student who shot the cop doesn't count. Isolated I mean, incident. Well, I mean, he made a mistake. He, oh, he made a he fucked up, right? Yeah, his <laughs> he, words. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. he shot the cop. That means he he was listening to some black extremist like myself. No, because I mean, <laughs> the simple fact of if you don't know the Texas Tech
0: student, he was the, the police were called on him on a welfare watch, meaning that somebody one of the fellow students thought mm, I don't know about him. Like he looked like he a little off. They didn't give the the clear reason of why they had the welfare check to begin with, but apparently for someone to call the cops on you to come check on you, you're doing something. Mm -hmm. So maybe they knew he had a gun and they didn't want to dime him out, or maybe it was drugs, whatever. He was acting a little. Well, no, I'm saying why the original call was made. So the cops come. The cop shows up to do the welfare the wellness check, and they find drug paraphernalia. So they take dude in for questioning to detain him based upon the paraphernalia. Now, he wasn't searched. He wasn't frisked and he wasn't handcuffed. So when they took him into the, the, the station, uh, t- there was one officer in the room with him and, and cops outside of the room heard a gunshot. When they came into the room, the officer's whole pistol was in his holster. So it wasn't his gun. And his body camera was missing, and so was the suspect. So apparently, when he got into the room, he had a loaded forty-five on him. So he shot the cop in the in the in research. the head. Yes, in the station. It wasn't at his. It wasn't at his in his door. Campus station, whatever. Like uh, whatever the little depot was there, but the school because they locked the school down. So he apparently was still on campus grounds.
1: Uh, that's and that's why they said um, active shooter.
0: Yeah. So he's in the room with the cop alone. His thing is, he said, I effed up, I, I, I made a mistake, I made an illogical decision, or whatever it is, he said. He shot the cop in the head at point-blank range, and then had enough presence of mind to take the body camera off the cop, and then bolt. And within an hour, they found him with a loaded 45 and the cop's body cam, and he was tackled and peacefully detained. Cop killer, headshot, point-blank range, took his body camera, and he was ta- tackled to the ground.
1: And and the black extremists are the ones that are going to bring the violence and the war to the police in America.
0: Yeah, this is the same in, in this discrepancy, because a lot of people have the misconception of the first thing they look at is, is, well, let's look at the number of white people who were shot by police officers and the number of black people who were shot by police officers. It's not strictly the numbers. It's not necessarily specifically how many people are shot. It's the overall treatment and the protocol when addressing each individual person. Because if you have a a white 19 year old with drug paraphernalia who was called in because apparently something was up, if the student was black, there's no way he's not getting frisked and there's no way he's not getting cuffed. (laughs) So those are the discrepancies in treatment because you had the brother in Utah who was gunned down while running away from police officers, they were in the point to where the DA asked the FBI to investigate the justification of the shooting. And they came to find out that uh, the 50-year-old black man was shot because he had a knife on him. He, he, he was stopped for riding a bike without a light on. So the mm. cops got him for that initially. And when they went to do a check, he had warrants. He was aware he had warrants. So he was like, man, there's videotape of it. He's like, man. And he just bolts. Mm. So as they had three different cops body cams, he was trying to run. He They're saying that he said, I'll stab you. <laughs> the cop's response was, I'll effing shoot you. Mm. And when he turned, they're saying that he had a knife in his hand and he pivoted to lunge at the cop. So the cop was justified in shooting him three times. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. That whole protocol difference, uh, that video came out the same week that there was another uh, Caucasian citizen who was seen fighting with the police officer.
1: Didn't this happen like in Stockholm, San Francisco? Yeah, something like
0: that. Where the, you, it's all over the internet. This guy oh, wouldn't stay laying down, uh, mm. bucked up, charged the officer, all this. No, No even reach for the pistol happened. These discrepancies. Actually,
1: actually, actually, the cop ran from the guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: These discrepancies are partially what this protest about is is also like it's not just who gets shot in the ratio. It's the whole protocol and behavior. Like if you're going to say if I see, you know, they had five kids who none of them were older than 11 were detained at gunpoint. Because a police officer saw them playing unsupervised mm-hmm. and said that because there was five of them to make sure they didn't run when he wanted to talk to him, he pulled guns on 8, 9, 10, and 11-year-olds mm. who were just playing on in, in the yard in front of the house and he didn't see a parent. That doesn't happen when the cop rolls up on five white nine-year-olds no. playing in the front yard. No. That discrepancy is where we start talking about the differences in law enforcement and how we're treated.
1: When black folk wake up, realize truth, they don't worry about the old heads that have kind of kept us oppressed. We go back and start listening to some of the old heads that um, are no longer with us, our ancestors, that were creating that empowerment. We start doing our own research. We start inviting ourselves to some of the secrets that we have that we're scared to talk to other folks about because folks probably think we're crazy and we start building that that empowerment, we start building that self-esteem, we start doing for self, it has always become an American problem. It's always an American issue. Every time the Negro starts doing for self, white America, it's almost like the domestic um, uh, violence relationship. It's like, yo, we're going to beat your ass And we don't like your ass, but we don't want you to go. We want you to stay right here. So once we start separating and start not believing the lies any longer, it seems like white America does whatever they need to do to try to pull us back. And the pullback is when you have ownership, Um, slave owners of one of the biggest slave plantations, the NFL and the NBA, basically saying, this is what's not going to happen. The power of what Jerry Jones said. A Dallas Cowboy franchise that is a global, well renowned entity. America's team. It is America's team. He goes from I'm going to stand and I actually want to kinda I I, want to make sure that I'm not correcting you, but I I really do believe that they didn't really they didn't kneel during the time they were singing the national anthem. It was before, right? Yeah. So in the same pretense you got that Big stand because before it was reports that Jerry said, y'all better stand and you do what you need to do. That's why he pulled that big move on the Monday night football game. So now after the fact, of course, they lost against Green Bay. So, you know, I'm sure he wasn't going to here too much of nothing. He's like, well, forget about all this stuff. We two and three, y'all better get your butts in line and do what you have to do. Let's imagine if his three biggest stars, Bryant, Prescott, and Elliot decided to say, Jerry, fuck you, and we're going to kneel. I don't are know. who really, the Backup quarterback, running back, are in doubt. Are you really not going to play them? See, this is where I say the Negroes got to draw the sand, the line in the sand. They have to draw the line in the sand and call these guys their owners' bluff. Because one piece you had, the owners played it smart. By we might have mutiny on the ship with all these negroes, and one, this mother f ain't gonna tell us how to work our shit. We gonna work our shit, so we gonna do what we gonna do. Cause they all got on the phone and say how you wanna do it. Well, let's do it. Let them do whatever. We're gonna stand by them. All America's watching. You yeah. know, everyone kind of doesn't like I'm not about Donald to get Trump. Get
0: pumped by this guy. Over yeah, there.
1: and everybody's tripping off Donald. Donald understands we're gonna do what we need to do. To now, some weeks later, okay, let's 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 move. The emails are going crazy. You know, the Twitter's going crazy because there's a lot of people that are vocally upset about what they did. You know, you have one side, there are folks that are applauding, but then that other side, folks are losing. it. And you know, white folks are great at complaining, great at complaining. So I can imagine the Twitters and the emails on all of those NFL teams that were probably getting that the day after everyone kind of stood in um, their protest. And pretty much in the wake of what Donald Trump said and and in the stance of Colin Kaepernick. Now, business as usual, we're now giving you this directive. If you don't, this is what's going to happen. Now you're punking out the Negro. And then in the other league that has been more um, definitely upfront about social activism from the athletes and from the stance they took which is the nba and have had a lot more swagger than the nfl it's almost kind of like the nfl is a little brother compared to the big brothers uh, nba on just standing up socially they have already said before we even start the season check this out we ain't got time for that Yeah, before the first game we're gonna let y'all know i ask again now negroes now that you know what the playing field is how are you going to play it?
0: Well, something interesting that happened today, and I'm going to see how serious he is with the follow-through, is one Sean Combs. Is that he threw his hat in the ring about putting up money. We'll see if he's serious about the starting of our own league. Talking about what he's been seeing... Is been, this is why we need our own league. Exactly. He said, he, well, these are his words. He said, "We this is why we need our own league. He said, at one point in time, I wanted to own a professional team. They said, at this stage now, I want to own a league. Yeah. Let's get together we- and, and own a league. And Snoop co-signed, and they're looking to get some of these these brothers with long dough, the ones that we always look to as the benchmarks for financial success, the Sean Carters, the, the, the Oprahs, the whatever, Uh, About getting together and and getting our own league started where we can set policy and set rules. What I've
1: always said and will be the, 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 the thing I say to my grave, when you know how folks feel about you in a relationship with another person, you always want to have your own separate account. You always want to have your own keys and you definitely want to have your own car, right? And you want to put your name on a damn lease regardless of, well, she's on Section 8. Well, brother, you better try to figure that out for six months, but eventually figure out how you're going to get that name on the lease. Yeah. Because when shit hits the fan, you don't want to be there standing there like uh, JoJo don't know and be like, yo, I thought we were working this out. No, baby, I'm moving and, you know, you got to move you too. You got to go. So if... We have not seen as we, and it's so ironic that we, 42nd uh, episode, Jackie Robinson, the great thing that he's done, but in reality, wasn't as great in 2017 from where we saw it in 1947. It isn't because it took away all our power in a sense that what they're telling us, Negro, you are the entertainment. Shut your mouth and entertain. That's what you need to do. So I've said it, and I will say it again, we need to have our own, because once you have your own, it is more of a bargaining, it's more of a power play, because we have the ability to now set our own agenda, we have the ability to create our own revenue, and we have the ability to empower our own communities. Because see, the thing that these franchises all over the league do, and they're giving back matters push, whatever, it's the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. They'll come into a community. They'll come put a basketball court up. and They'll come do a part. They'll come bring some players. And then after they do that big uh, media spectacle, they'll be gone, right? May give you a few tickets every once in a blue moon, but they'll be gone. They've done their um, charity for the day. That is something that is built in their contract. But now, when you turn around and you see... The same thing as far as charitable that they do, they're basically saying you cannot speak upon things that are oppressing people that look like me, that I play this basketball game and these kids look up to me and now these kids know what's going on. I inspire these kids. So instead of me talking and speaking truth to power, I got to shut up. You have to start saying to yourself, enough is enough. The way you stop this train wreck as if... Anyone doesn't know is these athletes, these star athletes, because, yes, you watch the game because, yes, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I love the Raiders. But you're not watching it just for the Raiders or the Cowboys. You're watching it for the players that are on there. If these athletes, these star Negro athletes decide to say, guess what? We are going to make a national boycott and we're not going to dress up. We're not going to play until we start getting back to the table and we start talking about a few different things. This thing is going to continue to play out the way it is. Negroes have to take the stand. The time is now. What I love about this whole moment, what I love about this whole Donald Trump thing, it's finally the common Negro was had to deal with all these common problems The now rich Negro, the athlete Negro, the entertainment Negro now gets to see how much they are still a Negro, regardless of their tax bracket, to where these things that usually affected only the common black man and woman are now affecting them because now they're being thrown in a fire. Now they're being challenged. Now their credibility is on the line because how would you my brother Jermaine feel if you work at a job and your job basically said hey Negro we want you to wear this shirt that says white people over everything and if you don't wear this shirt guess what you ain't going to have a job that's where I would be done working
0: <laughs> but I, I think that something that's important to look at the, the big grand scope of what's happening If because for some people they, they see the short side in this because you'll hear the arguments of some people where uh, they need to protest on their own time. You know, that if they have these issues with social injustice, do that mess. You play on Sunday. You could protest from Monday through Saturday. But when you show up to work on Sunday, that's when you need to leave your politics at home. Like that's where that, that we ain't here for that. You know, we, we ain't trying to listen to all that. Well, if you got to be aware of what's happening across the board, you have the NFL that's telling people if you kneel, if you take a stand, you're benched. You have the— Breaking
1: a constitutional right, but go
0: but, Well, no, that's not. Because you you have a right to protest any way, shape, form you want. That's your, your, your First Amendment right. But a company policy is—because the, the, the thing is where it goes with the Constitution, you're not going to be incarcerated mm-hmm. for taking a kneel during the anthem. You can
1: just be fired. But at the end of the day, I know for sure that there is nothing in their contract that say you have to uh, stand up for the national anthem.
0: Now they have policy stuff that they can implement at any given time. Your job can change policy. Yeah, they so feel I, like
1: I, I know, I know they'll, they'll probably do some well, wicked shit. Like well, that. no, but
0: I'm saying, so for some people, it's not a constitutional issue standing for for the uh, for the flag. What what it is is, like I said, it's company policy. So the company has a right to say if you don't want to abide by the policy that we put out here, this doesn't go in against your constitutional right by way of incarceration or that you know the government's coming to get you. You just don't work here anymore. And so much like if you worked at a job and they want you to wear a hot dog on a stick, that old crazy little hat in the tank top. If you're like, I don't want to wear that. Well, policy says you do. And if you don't want to put this hat on, you don't work here anymore. You have to be willing to say I'm willing to not work here anymore. But when it comes to what's going on across the board, you have the league who's saying they're going to bench players who, who don't kneel. You got the the NBA coming out saying that standing is mandatory.
1: You just But see, let me cut you off. And why I say it's the difference between hot dog and a stick, and I get that, is this is a different hot dog and a stick, a motherfucker going to come to hot dog and a stick, regardless of if Barry Axis is over there selling a hot dog, right? We have to understand the correlation of what these players bring to these billionaires is, and it's always been an argument for many years, and it's always been a thing to where the NBA strike... When it happened when the NBA players said, well, you know what? Okay, y'all want to keep on playing this game? Well, we're just gonna start playing basketball games because we still have our name. I'm still LeBron James. I'm LeBron James without Miami or Cleveland. I'm Carmelo Anthony without New York, the team that he was playing for while well, I think before they strike, Dwayne Wade. I'm I'm I am still that guy, Kevin yeah. Durant. So We'll take our talents and create our own league and see how that works. And that's when they say, no, 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 we'll bring it back to the table. Why? Because if they had saw success, the next thing you know, they're like, well, we don't really need it. So I'm saying this, the difference between the argument of, yeah, this is your job, you do it. The difference is this. We help you bring revenue. Yes, it's a cowboy star. Yes, it's a Patriots logo, but I am... Des Bryant, I am uh, Ezekiel Elliott. People are coming to watch me. That's why you made sure I wasn't going to be suspended for six games. So it's a different thing. You are bringing revenue to these owners compared to someone being a normal Joe Blow working a Hot Dog on the stick. You can't boom. But those are two different arguments. So what what I'm saying But I'm still saying in the correlation of that, you're creating that idea. Well, hold on, let me finish. You're saying. Hot dog and a stick. You got to do this. You're saying the business of, OK, you're still an employer, Things are changing. The shift of power, what I'm saying of why I believe that there's a little bit more wiggle room. And I'm saying that these players need to show their power is because at the end of the day, dog, if these players don't play, they may be in violation of whatever they're making these owners money. It's not the other way around.
0: I get that. We're not disagreeing. These, I'm saying these are separate arguments. What I'm addressing is because there are a lot of people who are under the notion of this is against their constitutional right, telling them that they have to stand for the flag. I'm saying it's not. It is a corporate policy. If so if you don't want to stand, it's the, I'm only using the analogy, the analogy of t- hot dog on a stick because it's the same policy. Now, I'm not saying that each job has the same value or that a hot dog on the stick employee is, is important to hot dog on a stick as Dez Bryant is to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm simply saying interchange jobs, whatever job you want on. It's just a corporate policy because there are some people who are under the belief that this is going against their rights as an American or their 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 First Amendment speech by telling them that they can't do this on the field. That's why I'm saying it's that's not the case. You So if, for it to be a violation of, of your First Amendment right – that's something that is implemented by way of there's going to be some repercussion. You just don't work here anymore if you're violating a corporate policy. Like I said, I'm not saying the value is the same.
1: But well, see that this is the thing when, I, when you talk about the corporate policy difference between this corporate policy that if the Negro sits down and the Negro says we're not playing. Okay, you want to play this game, you want to sit there and say, well, now we're mandating you, even though it doesn't say that in our bylaws about the National Anthem, because I guarantee you nothing has ever even been written about it because it's never been an issue. I get that. So so I'm saying in this percent, if a percentage of the NFL, instead of just, okay, we're going to sit in the locker room, okay, we're going to kneel, I say this, motherfucker, we're not going to play. Let us now then see... How this is going to be. And if that. Because truly boycotting as common Joe Negro is one thing. But now the players. Because see if the players don't play. Why do the advertisers come advertise on these games. These marquee national games. There's nothing there. Let's go see how many. Because the percentage of the NBA is black. And then another large percentage of the NFL is black. Now, if these guys could all get together and say, you know what, we're going to do a national boycott, the game and the rules will change right then and there. I get that. We're not we're not disagreeing. I'm saying we're just talking about two different things. I'm saying
0: what you're talking about is the solution to the problem. Oh yeah. But what I'm addressing is is there no, I I are I understand what you're saying. I get that. But that was the beginning. I didn't get to the point. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying what you're seeing is, is this movement where it comes to telling that the NBA players that they're not to protest in the Anthem and then telling the NBA that it is within your policy that you are as you take the court that you will have to stand for it. The overall campaign across the board is silencing the individual. You had Cam Newton who came out two weeks ago who cited saying that how he backed Colin Kaepernick. And the very first time he got himself into trouble, the repercussions that came with people who were waiting for him to trip up. You had Jamil Hill, who was already addressed a few about a month back about her comments towards the president. As soon as she made a lightweight comment on Twitter, she was suspended for two weeks. The campaign that is in place is that we are going to blanket across the board, shut all this down. That it's not about we're looking to, let, let, let's get this over here, let's get that over there. We are going to make a blanket statement that we are not tolerating any type of black voice or rise up on any of these subjects on any
1: of these platforms. And that's why you have the FBI coming with this black Which, that's experience. what my point was. That's Peace. what I'm saying. I, I get that. I, I well, feel I'm it. I'm talking for the folks I, Yeah, they, you know, I, sometimes I think they, they can p- figure it out by, by the stretches. But the bottom line is, this has become the problem, and I'm going to go right back to what you say that, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to go back to it. If we don't realize right now, at this stage of the game, now, finally, I am, I am so excited because what we have is the Negro elite are being affected. The Negro elite are being challenged. The Negro elite are being called boy. The Negro elite is being called bitches. The Negro elite is being called the N-word. Right in their face. Right in their face. It have, The words probably ain't coming out, but that's what's being said. And now it is time for the Negro to show the elevation of power that they have and sacrifice like Colin Kaepernick did. Because at the end of the day, guess what? Y'all can have your damn uh, stadium. Y'all can have your damn jersey. We are a part of making this what it is. We are feeling disrespected on all levels. You are now creating this uneasy atmosphere for us. I got to walk and be at home and look at my wife. My kids and they looking at me crazy. I look at my friends and they asking me like, What's up? You gonna let punk, you gonna let this owner punk you? So y'all can stand up for money, but y'all can't stand up for, for people's civil rights and, 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 and justice and equality in America for black folks, and you're going to allow some redneck owner like Jerry Jones who gives up an opportunity to a guy like Greg Hardy, who we know beat the shit out of his woman and, and and he gets a second chance at life, maybe even a third chance and you going to sit there and not do the right thing and punk him and play his game and say, okay, you want to play that game? So guess what, motherfucker? Go get Tony Romo out of retirement because guess what? As a black quarterback, as a black man, it means more to me to sit and kneel and I'm going to tell you, bench me. Let's okay. see how that
0: works. Well, I think the, the important question is, is that Who's going to do it? Because they've been interviewing players over the past week. And you just had one. I I, the brother's name escapes me. They're asking him about the new policy, about making sure that you stand during during the anthem. And he said it didn't make me know, never mind, because I wasn't going to do nothing about it anyway. He was mean what? He wasn't planning on kneeling. He was like, they could sit there and say whatever they want about policies about kneeling for the anthem. Because he's like, I ain't going to do nothing. I'm not breaking team. I'm not breaking formation. What
1: and, 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 and,
0: but but yeah, I'm saying, so it. when the question is, are are you going to let this dude punk you? Are you going to let yes. this dude? What, I'm, but I'm, this is what, what I'm responding to what you said. Yeah. So, I mean, so you got these guys who are now on a major platform and a major stage. And your boss called you out. Like, said, look, any of you who who were who who are thinking about any of that rah-rah stuff, thinking about coming out, putting your little fist up, thinking about coming out and, and taking a knee. Coming out doing anything that breaks form of what I say goes. I understand you getting benched and you ain't playing. I would be temp- interested to see who is actually about their life. It has and, to go ahead. And, and, and who's willing to come out and say, you know what? I'm a premier player. He may bench me for a game or two. Uh, ultimately, if it gets to the point where it impasse, I'm going to be traded away before mm-hmm. the trade deadline. So if it's that big of a deal to where this is what he is on this team, and then I'll try my luck somewhere else. But I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put myself out there and end up in Cleveland or or end up wherever and, and have this whole dynamic change of my career and my market value decrease because of this incident because I'm willing to do that because I, I believe in what I'm, what I'm talking about. I would be interested to see how many of these 24, 25, 26, 27-year-olds
1: are willing to stand up and do that? I think collectively, bro. Bottom line, if the Negro don't seize the opportunity now, bro, it just it. After a while, you just gotta look at this thing and just say, you know what, man, we gotta really make a big, a big splash. And I told you, and I've said it again. People think I'm crazy, and I'm gonna keep on reiterating it. When the Negroes had the opportunity to set the bar with Donald Sterling. We missed that opportunity, right? Now here is another opportunity. Let's say you go. We know whoever you was talking about, because evidently you don't remember him, so he probably wasn't a star player. Johnny Joe Blow on his way out, or just trying to keep his 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 spot on the team. It ain't gonna be effective compared to key Negroes. Even a guy like Marshawn Lynch, it's he's still kind of on the twilight of his career, right? We're talking about players like on um, a uh, Julio Jones of uh, a uh, players like an AJ Green players like um uh, uh, uh Prescott. we're talking about players that mean so much for the team to sit down those star athletes those star players to sit there and say uh-uh collectively to do that now we need all more players to get on board for sure but if you got those stars taking that step first that will set precedence to what is going to happen it will but i would be
0: interested to see who does it because judging by the climate of players now none of the players you just mentioned are dudes who are at the forefront for this right now well well, so that's
1: why i would say i mean and i understand that and, and, and that's the break of why we have been in the position that we're in yeah the, the coldest thing about it um what's that documentary of the brother that got killed um or killed himself um rikers island killed himself i'm not sure um he got arrested at 16 years old uh Bro- for, for nothing
0: yeah
1: um I browder hate to... was it brother
0: um i hate, to, I I hate like browder, that i hate
1: something like that i hate so. i hate to disrespect. now not i don't forget his name when I, I was watching it, i i finally got to tune into the story i saw watched a little bit but i never got it and watching those 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 shows and, and those documentaries you 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 your heart goes out because you want a better <laughs> a better ending yeah. but you know the end result right yeah. especially when the brother gets out you're like oh man he got out but he eventually took his life cuz the shit was captive and watching the whole thing i went from start to finish made sure i went in from 1 to 6 was you know Uh, A Six part series I I wasn't going like how I was before I'll see this a little bit but miss this part I said man I'm going to sit here It was on Netflix I watched the whole thing The one thing That took me away from the whole Experience that there were Three folks Three folks of color Three folks of power positions That could have helped this brother out And they never did You get what I'm talking about? Whether it was the brother that was over Rikers, whether it was the sister that was over the case, whether it was the brother that was over the case before the sister. They saw the trail. They saw the injustice, but they never did anything. And that has always been one of the key mistakes that we've had in black America when we've held power positions, when Negroes always say, we just need to get in places of power in the government to make changes. Well, we've had those. We've had those individuals and what changes have they made? Because just like you stated, they're in the game and they're afraid to step across that line because they're like, ah, it's cool over here. So you're right. These individuals got to look at themselves in a mirror and ask themselves, how much am I willing to take? But if they could look at it in a plain lens, like I'm saying, the only way. You obtain power is if you take power. And the only way you can do that is by, in unison, just like everybody was kneeling, sit there and say, we are not playing because you owners are not going to force our hands to do something that we don't feel is right. And we should have the right to do what we feel. And at the same particular time, and I look at that, I say, you Negroes are quick to sit out a whole game together, white and black. When you're having these player disputes about contracts, yeah, this right here—they'll do it for money. Yeah, this right here—it it, it speaks volumes because had Jackie Robinson known what he sees now, as he looks above and sees what's going on, I guarantee you he'd have probably thought twice about crossing the lines if he knew certain things would remain the same. Okay,
0: something else I think uh, uh, another angle looking at this is too is that. First off, the maturity rate of a 25-year-old now is not what it was 20 years ago, and damn sure what it wasn't 40 years ago. Not at all. 25-year-olds now are are typically 15-year-olds that can drink. You know, (laughs) if you're a 25-year-old now. and and, And why I preface this is because of the Kobe Bryant comment about when Kobe was asked this past week, if he was still playing, would he kneel for the anthem? And Kobe said if he was still playing that he would kneel. Now, a 39-year-old Kobe Bryant probably would. But a 24-year-old Kobe Bryant wouldn't. So what is the, the, the degree to put in there? Uh, these guys 10 years from now may be in a position to where they've got the maturity and, and recognize the gravity uh, of, of the situation for what it is. At 35, 36, 37, they see the big picture and see the true value of what taking a stand would mean across the board. Versus some of these dudes are 24, 25. It's the first time they've seen any kind of money. And that Mm -hmm. all they see is two feet in front of them. That I finally got a chance to play. I finally got a chance to get a check. I could finally get my mama out this one-bedroom apartment. I could finally do something for grandma and my sister. Like I'm not about to mess up this paper because this is what I've been playing for my entire life. Since I was seven years old, this has been my dream and my goal. And though I love my people, I may not love my people enough to give up this dream. How much weight do you think that puts in why some of these dudes is
1: falling back? No, I think that puts um, a lot of major weight. I think that I mean, there's definitely fear to to step out. I mean, you turn around you see what happened to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. You know, but again, I think that if Colin Kaepernick had a, uh, you know, solid group, not only of just um, regular players that are just kind of on there, you know, making their little ends meet, but superstar players that stood up and said, yo, this means a lot to me because at the end of the day, I remember what my ancestors did to sacrifice even get me to this place in this league that a lot of these things will change. So you have um, a moment where you really have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, you know, what does this really mean uh, for my legacy? And I think that when you have ownership basically telling you that, you know, you're just the boy and what you're here to do is entertain and when you know, that you're 6'8", 250 pounds of steel and you're being used as cattle to make someone trillions of dollars, but at the same time, that if you weren't um, on that field being 6'8", uh, 250 pounds of steel, you would be considered a predator. You would be considered a savage. You would be considered a um, you know super thug. So in that sense, the shield that you have because you have this athletic ability, God-given talent, You still have to understand the framework that you still are a black man, a black woman in America. And now, more than ever, these issues that, again, the common black folk have dealt with for so long has now fallen into your laps. Where it was safe to say the star athletes of sports weren't um, connected. And I think that our good friend, Jason Whitlock used to say or said about LeBron, his racism is different than you know you or I racism. It's yeah. like he can get over it. No, this stuff is all centered to be the same thing when it all comes down to, because like Jay-Z said, you're still an N regardless of your zeros in your account, regardless yeah. of being an athlete, regardless of being an artist, where you're the high uh, echelon artist as Jay-Z or you're just kind of that star for the moment um kodak black you know what i'm saying yeah. you still can get bobby smirner you can still have that happen you can yeah. still be tax stoned you know what i mean you can still Nelly. yeah nelly right you know you can it, it happens even though his charges were dropped these things i think we no longer as black folk can stop kind of has to stop thinking that these are isolated incidents like that only happens to them. No, it happens to all of us. And the only reason why it continues to happen is the moment we have the ability to get ourselves together. And I've always said it. I've said it that until all Negroes from all walks of life get together, especially the Negroes in entertainment, because that's the major place that we can affect white supremacy in entertainment in their sports, in their two major sports, baseball and basketball, by taking these radical stances, this is going to kind of change the climate. Oh, most definitely, they'll probably find another Negro to try to, you know, say, hey, man, this is the way you should do it. Them Negroes are role. But when you have the star, I'm talking about the star athletes, we've watched the effect of Colin Kaepernick. Right. And remember, Colin Kaepernick was kind of on his downward spiral. Let's see. Let's think if Colin Kaepernick was still at that high elevation where he's getting um, commercials endorsement, where he still was the face of the 49er franchise. This protest would probably be even bigger. What? But in that sense, just to finish my point, just in that sense, when you now have kids, right, because the kids, the, the kids in Sac high, they um, kneeled the day. Uh, before the games on Sunday, they kneeled for their football game. So the kids, the folks are seeing this and they're imitating it. It would be follow the leader. So take a stand and those other players will follow in line. But it has to be the star premier athletes to take that chance and take that say, okay, you're going to bench me? Well, let me see what you're really going to do.
0: I think that part of that is uh, agreeing with your point. I think with Kaepernick, it would have been more interesting to me had he done it the year before, not because of his personal value, but because of who he played with. So while he had Crabtree on the team, Patrick Willis on the team, all these other guys who were, who were notable players, it would have been interesting to see what if those guys would have followed suit. Not just his own market value, but... I think that where we're at now is that there are a lot of dudes who are going to have to realize uh, I may have to forfeit this check. And that's going to be very hard for somebody who doesn't come from money to finally get a shot, finally get your, your day in the sun, your opportunity to play and to say, I'm willing to risk it all for my people. <laughs> that I, I'm, I'm willing to say some owner may prove a point with me or make an example out of me. There may not be another team to go to. There may be it may be a Colin Kaepernick situation. It may be Dak comes out and says, I'm willing to to take this knee. Ezekiel come out and say, I'm willing to do this. And it be the same Kaepernick situation. It may be the same result. You may come out and say, I'm willing to do this. And you also have to be willing to come out under the premise that your brothers are going to stand beside you. And you end up out there alone. Yeah, I mean, it has so, to be. Well, but I'm saying so f- for the, the idea that we're putting a lot on these guys because there's a lot on the line and that a lot of these these dudes out here, the NBA, the NFL and in day to day life, going to have to start making some real world sacrifices. There are some things that go on that when you make 30 million a year that you may have to be willing to walk away. And there's some stances you're going to have to take when you make 30,000 a year. There are some things that there are some real life changes, some some things you're accustomed to doing that you're going to have to be willing to let go of some comfort that you're accustomed to being in that you're going to have to say, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for a while.
1: Because I think any black person now in America, if you're not uncomfortable now, I don't know when you're going to start being uncomfortable. I've
0: said it over and over again for a lot of folks. It ain't that bad. It it ain't bad enough. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's not because you can easily turn a blind eye in this society and so there there's a lot of folks a lot of division to do that us and them but i think that when we address these things when we look at these things and understand that if we want our lives to be better and if we're willing to stand out there that you may just have to forfeit a check you may have to forfeit your position forfeit some of your prestige but it's the only way that we make a definitive stand that can move forward it's some stuff we going not have to do something about and damn sure it's some stuff we are gonna have to say something about
1: definitely have to say something like i said um I know folks are probably thinking, like, damn, that boycott and it's easier said than done. It can be done. I believe it should be done. And just the way you got to get respect in this world, in this this American capitalist society that we live in, they only understand the dollars. And once you start interfering with their dollars, and that's what a lot of these owners are seeing, that some of the money is being played with a little bit, I think that you really have to put a chokehold on this thing and say, you know what, man, check this out. You ain't going to play me like no punk.
0: Yeah, a lot of times they say that a lot of people think that the standard of your character and, and who you are is what you say yes to. But more often than not, it's what you say no to. And got so uh, some folks going to have to start saying no to some big checks and some big zeroes. This is a Say Something Podcast.
1: Barry Axios, where can folks find you online? Barry Axios, Facebook. Instagram and Twitter, all the same thing. My Twitter is down right now, but it will be back up in a second. And blackblueprints with a Z.com.
0: Jermaine Morris on Facebook, every other social media platform is at J Morris, CEO. If you're in the Sacramento region, anywhere in this general area of the 916, Saturday, October 21st, at the Fruit Ridge Community Collaborative. It's 4625 44th Street here in Sacramento. We will be hosting the Black Youth Financial Empowerment Summit 3, Creating Black Entrepreneurs, where myself and Barry will be hosting this with a team of great men and women who will be helping to teach the youth, the folks coming up, how to get in a better economic situation. Be your own boss, motherfucker! Uh, 12 through 19 boys and girls it's free no charge lunch will be provided we have a special keynote speaker by the morris brothers developers of the hoop map app ain't they your cousins maybe i gotta meet. i gotta talk to them when i see yeah them. why don't you find there's a live lot live. of Morrises out yeah, there we yeah. spread like wildfire once we got out here to california mm-hmm. Uh, So that is Saturday, October 21st, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The Fruit Ridge Community Collaborative. You can hit up BlackYouth at Eventbrite.com to register. Hit up either one of our social media platforms for more information. That's the Black Youth Financial Empowerment Summit 3, Creating Black Entrepreneurs. Till next podcast, I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axis. Yes, sir. And until next time, we will boycott your ass and holler at you later.